probiotics. And you can have all the probiotics in the world, but if you're not getting enough fiber, neither are those probiotics. Welcome to the Food Startups Podcast. You just need the packaging to shout off the shelf. It's a different world when you actually think about adding value. But to be able to play now is definitely going to require some new thinking out there. Hang out with us and learn how to grow your food business. Hello and welcome to episode number 137 of the Food Startups Podcast. Today we have an interesting guest. We usually do B2C, but this is a primarily... B2B brand, and they make proprietary ingredient and finished products for use in the functional food and dietary fiber markets. Blue Prairie Brands, really smart guy. They've received a lot of outside investment. And I think for listeners that have B2C brands, which is the majority of the people listening to the show, as I've gotten from feedback from you, the guest you're going to work with a lot of B2B brands. So to understand how they function, you get a lot of insights on your B2C, your business to consumer food startup. And before we start, as you know, I've been mentioning every week, the Food Brand Summit, only a few days left to sign up and get the discount for Food Startups Podcast listeners. We'd love for you to participate in this two-day online conference. It's all digital, the first day being seminars from people like Seth from Honesty with exclusive content and the majority having Q&A sessions where you can ask people like Tim from Maple Hill. And so tons and tons of action items there for you to learn, take notes, and ask questions. And then the second day will be the online buyer pitch where via your webcam, you can pitch your brand to buyers, distributors, and brokers. And after the show, within three business days, you will get a list of interested buyers, brokers, and distributors where you can send your sell sheets, samples, and get more business. And this is May 4th and 5th coming up pretty soon here. And that can be found at foodbrandsummit.com. Use the coupon code FBSEARLY. All right. Well, David is coming on and we hope you enjoy the show. He is the president and CEO of Blue Prairie Brands, an early stage company developing proprietary ingredient and finished products for use in the functional food and dietary fiber markets. Translation, they're doing some really cool stuff with chicory primarily, and they're going to patent their process to remove bitterness from the products. We'll get way more into that in the episode, and he'll explain all of the incredible applications that um, Blue Prairie Brands has. And prebiotic ingredients help maintain a healthy gut environment for beneficial bacteria while replacing fast digesting starches. The way I understand fast digesting starches is, you know, like spiking the, the blood sugar quickly, which can be a, a detriment to, to your health. And they are pleased to announce that it has completed a $6 million Series A investment round led by Seed to Growth, who I had, Victor, on the show, and almost every company that they've invested in because all of them are, frankly, very interesting and doing really cool things in the food space. So this is another one. 
Earlier in his life, he developed the business plan and raised the capital to grow chromatin into a multinational leader in the genetics and seed of sorghum. As you remember, episode 66 was Doug Bice of the Sorghum Checkoff, a really awesome cereal crop that is still growing in the United States, and I, I think there's so much potential there. He also honed his financial investment skills as a sell-side research analysis for Prudential and Think Equity. And his healthcare experience ranges from product design to corporate strategy at Cyril, I hope I got that right, and Baxter Healthcare. He also remains co-owner of the family farm where he grew up in Western Illinois and is a graduate of University of Chicago's Booth School of Business and University of Illinois' College of Engineering. David Woodburn, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Hey, thank you, Matt. Glad to be here. And I have to admit, I was worried. Did I make any scientific mistakes in my uh, in the intro there? No, not at all. Okay, cool. Um, I'm getting better at this. I've had enough biotech guys on, so I'm, I'm learning a little bit more. I um, I mentioned before the show that inulin seems really interesting to me. But before we get into that, I'm going to tell a quick story. This morning, before recording the interview, here in Bogota, I do a, uh, a Wednesday morning mountain hike. And... We, uh, there's some French guys in the group and I told them that I had this interview coming up. I was excited about it. I'm still trying to learn and get my head around it. Um, but they, they make, you know, patent protected or or patent seeking products with chicory. And most people don't know what chicory is, but I think it's native to France and and they recognize like, yeah, my parents put it in the North of France in Lille in in their coffee. And so I'm just going to read a little history of chicory because it's a very interesting ingredient that you may have tried or you may not be aware of. I'd say most people are not aware of. So here's the story. The use of chicory became popular in France during Napoleon's continental blockade of 1808, which resulted in a major coffee shortage. Chicory is native to France, where it has been long loved for culinary reasons, so it's only natural that's where the story began. During the blockade, the French mixed chicory with limited supplies of coffee to make their coffee last, and even used it in place of coffee altogether. While chicory doesn't have any caffeine, it does share a similar flavor to coffee, which makes it a decent substitute in times of need. When the blockade lifted and economic prosperity returned to France, the use of chicory in coffee subsided. It did not disappear. Actually, the practice made its way over to the French colonies like... Louisiana. So yeah, that's my intro for the ingredient. So, so David, tell us how you came across uh, Chicory. Yeah, so I actually came to the company. I'm not a co-founder at Blue Prairie Brands, but um, the guys that founded the company were looking at um, you know plants to grow different things, you know, different uh, uh, actually biotech components. They were looking at growing proteins and vaccines in potatoes. Believe it or not. And that was that was all working fine. And then they, um, you know, they started looking at human health, and they got interested in gut health, and came across inulin. And then, um, you know, what's the greatest source of commercial inulin? It's chicory. And so that's how. Yeah. And David, I just want to interrupt you here. Two things. Uh, well, quick question: When so you're the CEO, but not the the founder. But when the founder approached you, did you know what chicory was? I had no idea what chicory was. Um, I had to look it up. It was a Google search for me. Uh, that's funny. And uh, the second, I think this is a good moment to the listeners in layman terms. Uh, what exactly is inulin? 
Yeah, inulin. So let's take a step back. Inulin is a, uh, a soluble fiber. It is commercially produced primarily from chicory roots, but you would have small amounts of in- inulin in other vegetables as well. And probably artichokes are, are the next highest source of inulin. Inulin is a, a, a what we call a prebiotic. And everybody knows what a probiotic is because you're kind of bombarded with that from the yogurt manufacturers and now supplement manufacturers, things like that. The, uh, the uh, you know, healthy microbes, the healthy bacteria in your gut. Well, the prebiotic is essentially the food for the probiotic. Those bacteria need something to, uh, to eat, to ferment in the gut. And so um, that's where fiber comes in. Fiber is not digested in the small intestine. It makes its way to the large intestine where then it's, uh, it's broken down by these bacteria. So prebiotic, uh, just remember, it's, it's the food for the probiotics. And you can have all the probiotics in the world, but if you're not getting enough fiber, um, neither are those probiotics. Oh, I love that. What a great, uh, great explanation, David. And I mentioned this before the show. I All these smart biotech companies and founders that come on the show, um, I always tell them, hey, we just don't have the same scientific knowledge as you, so please explain it in layman terms. You did a great job there. So it's almost like a metaphor. It's like um, weightlifting, um, but not getting complete protein so your muscles can't grow. So this is really interesting to me. So probiotics, let's say you get uh, like in yogurt, which is you know, huge in marketing right now, you get this awesome bacteria in your gut, but in order to keep that bacteria there or get the benefits from it, you need this prebiotic fiber to, to maximize the, the, um, the health effects of probiotics. Absolutely. And, you know, you probably, in terms of bang for the buck uh, and efficacy, you probably get a better benefit from eating more fiber, uh, more soluble fiber than you do from taking, let's say, a, a probiotic supplement or um, eating high probiotic uh, yogurts and things like that. Now, some people would argue with that, but, you know, it, at least it's, it's a fair match. And, and I think there are a lot of folks that would say, you know, start with the fiber. That's the easy thing. And your, uh, your bacteria will sort it out for you. Okay. And David, as we mentioned, or actually we talked about before the show, you're primarily a B2B company. And we're going to get more into that because it's going to be pretty interesting applications for our audience here. So you mentioned artichokes. How can, let's just say someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I've got the probiotics down, but I need prebiotics. What would you, um, and they go to the local grocery store, what would you recommend for them to do? You know, you can look at uh, packaged foods. You can also look at uh, fresh vegetables. Look for something with um, large amounts of soluble fiber. So first of all, you could look for fiber. And then as part of the FDA's new labeling guidelines, which we can get to a little bit later, um, they'll be breaking out, manufacturers will be breaking out soluble versus insoluble fiber. The soluble fiber is, is, uh, in, is sorry. One other thing yeah. is uh, soluble fiber the same thing as inulin. Um, inulin. Inulin is a soluble soluble fiber. There are other soluble fibers other than inulin. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, but inulin is uh, you know it's it's produced in plants. Uh, it's not a synthetic creation of sugar molecules or anything like that. It is it is natural, and um, so yeah, vegetables or some packaged foods will have nice levels of soluble fiber, and you don't. I mean, you don't need to totally kill yourself with fiber. The, the recommendation is, you know, about 25 to 35 grams per adult per day. So that's really interesting. So fiber doesn't tell the whole story because if it just says fiber on the packaging, you have to know what part is insoluble and what part is soluble. 
You're right. So the insoluble is primarily stuff like cellulose, sawdust. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, it's not digested. Um, it's it's going to go through you, and it actually does have a purpose, but you're missing out if you if you were to just have the cellulose and not have the soluble fiber as well. And what, so should I, well, two questions. One, should I stop taking so, my sawdust supplements? And then two, um, what is the purpose of the uh, insoluble fiber? So the insoluble, well, I'll ask your, answer your first question first. Um, there will be, I may make some enemies here, but, you know, really it's, it's probably more important to have the fiber and the insoluble fiber first and prioritize that more so than the supplements. Most of the supplement that you're going to take is going to be um, digested in the small intestine. So a very small amount actually makes it through to the large intestine where, where it would either populate or, or supplement the bacteria that are already there. Whereas the fiber, I mean, that's its purpose. It's not digested in the small intestine. And so it's, it's you know, designed by nature to make it through the digestive system into the, uh, into the lower gut, into the, uh, the large intestine to, uh, to help with the bacteria there. Okay, cool, cool. Great. All right. So, so we, I think we all have a, a understanding of why, you know, what you're doing is, is important. I, I guess, so I guess with chicory, so, so David, again, in layman's terms, as B2B, who are the, you know, your company, Blue Prey Brands, right? You know, you've, you, you've raised money, you're, you're developing this and you're, you're patent pending. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. I believe it's patent pending, but who are the, the like, do you want to sell to, I don't know, like cereal producers? Who exactly is your target market? So that's, you know, an interesting question in that um, the difference between the chicory flour, that is the whole root, the whole food chicory versus some of the isolates and extract that are focused more on just the inulin. Our flour behaves very much like a flour. So it's, yeah, it's over 70% fiber, but it acts like a flour. And so you can incorporate it in all kinds of food products. Whereas the processed inulin, it doesn't respond well to, let's say, heat and pressure, like you would see in an extrusion process for maybe pasta or puffs or crisps, things like that. You know, frying for batters. What, uh, what we're seeing is with the flour, it does hold up better. And, you know, a slide that I think that you had seen, and we like to use it a lot, both for customers and, uh, and for our investors as well. Most of the inulin that is used today is used in, like, nutrition bars. Um, we talk about potential customers. I'll throw one out there. General Mills is probably the largest uh, user of inulin in the U.S. Their Fiber One line of uh, bars and, and cookies and brownies and things like that. The number one ingredient on nearly every fiber one product is chicory root extract or inulin. And so, you know, so that's that's a potential customer. Oh, wow. But instead of replacing the applications where inulin, you know, the inulin extracts or inulin isolates really work today, what we'd rather do is take the benefits of inulin and allow them to be incorporated into all kinds of other things, baby foods, pastas, snacks, cereals, breads pizza dough, refrigerated doughs, cookies, brownies, baking mixes, things like that, that uh, really there's, there's very little, if any, inulin used in any of those products today. So it's really, it's more about building the market, expanding the market than it is in replacing the, uh, the inulin products that are on the market today. Makes perfect sense. You know, add an addition. So, uh, 
two two questions. Oh, one comment. Hey, General Mills sounds like would be a pretty awesome client for for you guys to land. Uh, and then two. Um, so I looked at chicoryflower.com and listeners, this episode can be found at foodstartupspodcast.com slash chicory, spelling B C H I C O R Y. And and yeah, and so David, I guess I wanted you to talk a little bit. Why are like let's say in baby food, et cetera, et cetera, why are they not using you know chicory flour today? What makes your product different? Well, I think there's just um, it, there are a couple of things with the whole food product. It's easier to integrate. It, like I said, it acts like a flour. Whereas the the inulin extracts, there are some that are in liquid form, some in dry form, and they work very well for certain applications, but not everything. With the uh, with the baby foods, actually, in some cases, you know, you will see um, them touting that uh, the foods are enhanced or, or include uh, the prebiotics. Uh, not necessarily inulin. It may include inulin, not necessarily. But where uh, it really falls off, then is when you get to the toddler foods. Now, when I was growing up, my toddler food was probably a Cheerio, um, you know, for solids. But now there are, you know, there are puffs, there are the biter biscuits and things like that, where the inulin extracts don't perform uh, as well in manufacturing, but the flour certainly does. And so that's where, you know, we see the continued uh, interest in prebiotics from parents that are super, do, you know, do their diligence for the nutritional health of their child. Uh, they, they know what prebiotics are and look for them and they get them in baby foods and definitely get them in, in formula if, if they go that route. But then it, it totally falls off a cliff once you get to solid foods. And... And on your website, you have chicory flour, but do you also make chicory syrup? We are working on that. We've um, we can make it in small scales. Uh, we're we're sort of small scale. We're we're trying to ramp that up right now. And so what it does, it gives you sort of a a liquid or paste form. Gotcha. And I do see an avocado, which I just had in my morning smoothie. I believe avocado is pretty high in uh, in I guess uh, prebiotics and, and, and soluble fiber. Correct. I don't know the exact level for avocados, but yes, there would be some soluble fiber in there. Okay, good to hear. Um, okay, so um, so we have a uh, you know we have your your target market. I mean, what this is actually pretty interesting because on your website, at least at the time of recording, now in February, it says now hiring uh, a VP of sales and marketing, and you're the CEO. So I'm I'm curious, what type of person and experience are you looking for? Yeah, so we've um, we've got one person. We're actually looking for someone else as well. There are a couple of things, you know, experience in in food ingredients. You know, not necessarily creating uh, final products or, or branded products, but uh, working with food ingredients. And, and and as part of that, there's there's the sales. There's also the working with product developers, the food scientists. So that type of experience is is super helpful for us. Then on the other hand, you know, looking for somebody with, um, you know, the corporate sales experience. So we've already talked about General Mills, but there are a lot of companies that, you know, you're really coming in at the at the top to to work with their um, innovation and, and development groups, and, uh, and there there's a lot to keep the uh, the projects and the evaluations moving along. So having somebody with that sort of long sales cycle experience is also super helpful for us. Great answer. Okay. And 
in terms of the the sales for for Blue Prairie, is it just? I mean, obviously, I understand the, the size of the the big boys like uh, General Mills, et cetera, et cetera. But are you going to? Uh, is the salesperson going to try to get some smaller brands, maybe some like startup brands involved as well, or are you going to focus more on the large food corporations? No, it's a, it's actually an excellent question that we've had to work through over the past uh, year and a half, and the, our solution is really a portfolio of potential customers. You know, from General Mills, probably at the very top, to smaller, more nimble um, food manufacturers, more innovative. Uh, food manufacturers that are willing to try new things and and are looking for something different as an opportunity and and not necessarily as uh, as a burden. So you know we uh, we are definitely looking and talking with people uh, with customers that could use our product right away, and uh, and then at the same time, you know, starting the sales cycle for the larger manufacturers. Because truth be told, some of these some of these applications, it would take us a couple of years to scale up to meet the volumes that they would require, and uh, and so I, I often use the phrase, and my my uh, coworkers are probably sick of hearing it, but uh, you ask me if you were to ask me what's the best time to plant a tree, I'd say well probably about ten or fifteen years ago, and it's like okay well what, what's the best time to start a sales process uh, you know with a large multinational food manufacturer. You know, probably about two or three years ago. So it, it's not something that we can focus on. You know, completely one or the other. It's a, it's really a balanced approach. Interesting. I did see on Amazon there is a Blue Prairie Chicory Coffee that's I guess sold out right now. But I, I it's cool that um, and we mentioned this too. You're primarily B two B, but you're going to dabble a little bit and be to C for awareness. So I guess my first question, when do you think the, because uh, I'd like to buy some, when do you think the uh, blueberry chicory coffee will be available? So we've, yeah, so we've um, probably not anytime soon, to be honest. We we started with that. Uh, we had somebody on the team that was you know, an avid, avid uh, coffee drinker and, and was super psyched about this. And it, it was an interesting opportunity. Customers loved it, but it wasn't a big enough opportunity relative to the flower. And so we actually put that on hold um, and are focusing only on the flower at this point. Makes sense. And and so I, I know that like gluten-free brownies, fruit and nut bars, I, I guarantee you there's people listening to the show that are in that space. If they're smaller startups, would it make sense for them maybe to contact chicoryflower.com or Blue Prairie to, to see if they could, on a smaller scale, uh, purchase your product? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are especially like brownies, baking mixes and bars. That's really a a great, a very easy opportunity to create a a nutritional powerhouse. Um, You know, as as we've seen with products that are out there, but this is, you know, you can have um, a prebiotic brownie that uh, is probably going to taste just as good as, let's say, something like a Ghirardelli, you know, triple chocolate brownie or something like that. But some of the attributes of chicory flour, it could have less fat, uh, a little bit less sugar, and, and and to be honest, it's probably a couple hundred percent higher in uh, in uh, fiber than what the commercial products are. So yes, absolutely. We'd love to hear from them. Okay, great. And listeners, on the show notes, we'll, we'll list uh, David's email address. And, and, and David, I guess, so to me, the, uh, you know, non-expert here, it seems to me that in most ways, not maybe not all, chicory flour is superior um, and more versatile than the the current inulin extracts on the 
on the market. So it's almost just this education thing, getting awareness to these consumer facing brands and General Mills, et cetera, all these companies that, and also the consumers, because even if they know, right, the end customer needs to know, hey, we changed from inulin extract to this chicory flour, and it's going to be better for you and have more fiber, right? Is, is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, it is. Um, what uh, the inulin extracts will do, though, is they're very pure and they can be very specific. So um, inulin, inulin is like a really long fructose molecule. It's just you know, chained into, into you know, many, many multiples of, of the fructose molecule. And longer chain links will give you uh, more of a, a creamy mouthfeel. Um, the shorter chain links act more like a sugar. They'll have uh, quite a bit of sweetness to them. And sorry to interrupt, so, you, but the longer chain. Yeah, go ahead. The longer chain. It's also if I don't if I understand this correctly, inulin. It's the longer chain is less likely, or maybe does not spike your your blood sugar. Well, neither one of them is going to spike your blood sugar because they're both going to go through the. Uh, they're not digested. They're going to make it through to the large intestine and be fermented. Even short term fructose. <clears throat> well, not not the uh, not the fructose itself, but once you get past, it's called a DP. Uh, DP length of three or more is really what's going to bypass the digestive system and make it, or the small intestine and make it to the large intestine. Got it. Okay. And but one one other follow up question. But the the I know it's in development. But the chicory syrup mm-hmm. would that be a sweetener that would be diabetic safe? Yeah, and so it's um, there's a little bit of sweetness to it, but it's really more. Uh, it's longer chain, so it's going to have less sweetness, but it's going to have the fiber. It's, a, it's, it's really a liquid form of fiber with uh, a little bit of sweetness to it. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. And uh, so it, another cool part I like from your website is why chicory? Chicory is the knobby root of a blue flowered plant that is closely related to the bitter endive and radicchio. While it ain't pretty to look at, think a cross between a parsnip and a small potato. This powerhouse of a plant has been prized for bolstering health and flavor for thousands of years. So I guess my question here is, um, what, in terms of the availability of chicory, is it is there uh, like a, an unlimited amount of chicory or a high amount, or is it something that um, world supply that your company has to monitor? So there's there's plenty of chicory that is grown for both, you know, like a coffee beverage, and then also for the inulin. The issue with chicory up to now has been the bitterness, and so you could, you know, you could plant five times as much chicory. That's not a problem. It's not an issue at all. It's a row crop, and uh, in there's certain areas of the world where it's it's very popular to grow. But the issue is the bitterness, and, and what do you do with it? And so this is um, this is our this is our science. This is our technology. Is we we took the bitterness or most of the bitterness out of the plant itself, and so. You know, we talk about scale. We are definitely scaling up, and we talked a little bit about you know being able to serve the uh, the needs of multinational companies, and might actually take a couple years to get there. It's really on the processing side where we take the roots, we uh, we wash them, uh, and then we dry, cube them and, and dry them, and it's milled into flour. That is something that um, in the areas where we grow, there aren't capabilities, so we have to scale those up. The agricultural part, that's easy. It's a row crop. We grow it in rotation with uh, sugar beets and corn out in western Nebraska. And uh, and so, you know, we could 
we could have several thousand acres um, easily if we were ready to process those. Okay, great answer. So it's, it's really about, uh, that's where the patent comes in, the way you process it and getting rid of, of bitterness. Uh, David, listen, I've really enjoyed having you on the show today. And if listeners are interested in getting in touch with you, um, and maybe they would like to start using chicory flour, uh, what would be a, the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, so the easiest thing is email with dwoodburn at blueprairiebrands.com. And if you forget that, just go to chicoryflower.com and you can respond, you know, via comments or contact us. And, uh, <laughs> and then we're a small company. I'll see every one of those. Sounds great. And, and listeners, I'll also uh, list the email on the episode page, which can be found at foodstartupspodcast.com slash chicory. All right, David, uh, thank you so much. I learned a ton today about chicory, prebiotics, inulin, and uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much, Matt. We love talking about chicory. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, find us online at foodstartupspodcast.com. Dot com.